I feel this is a an astrology for the current and near future era. It's an updating of what's been in the past, which has been relevant for the past. Now we need something a little bit broader, mm-hmm. and this is a you know a great step for that. And um, yeah, yeah, I've done as I say many thousand charts, and the feedback is um, that I get is that sure the the chart is useful that it pinpoints and supports their their intuition of what star family they're connected to. It even uh, supports where they feel like they've been on past lives on the Earth. You know what part of the planet they've been on, and the be- the real beauty of it is is that it defines what is in the Akashic records, mm. which is you know embedded in the in the DNA at the energetic level, the plasma level of the DNA. Welcome back to another, to another episode, episode of As Will Will As You Want with Celine Jeremiah and Graham. Hey! <laughs> welcome! Welcome, Graham, Hi. and welcome everyone back to another episode of As Woo As You Want. Um, apologies for the bit of a delay. I actually had COVID, so mm-hmm. we had to um, pause this recording until today. As in, as you can see, my surroundings are a little different. But um, we're back, and we're super excited to have Graham Forscott with us today. So, yay! Yay! Thank you. And, <laughs> this hope um, it's interesting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're, I'm we're, sure. We're both really excited. And um, for those who listened to our episode with Winslow Elliott, um, that's how we know about Graham. Winslow, um, during our conversation, mentions Graham and his elas- uh, galactic astrology methodology. And Selene and I were just like, well, we need to have Graham on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks so much for being here. And the time difference was a little bit of a doozy, I know. But it's all right. It's, it's 9.30ish, okay. I guess, or nine o'clock here. Oh, perfect. So um just like as just like an intro, how how did you kind of like get involved in learning about, you know, galactic astrology and what is it really based on? And just how did your journey begin? Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I'm in my late 60s. So back in the early 1980s, <laughs> long before the internet and anything like that, uh, I was reading all the books I could on esoteric things, Rudolf Steiner and the theosophist Alice Bailey, all about the Kabbalah. Uh, I was learning how to... Uh, creatively visualize. I began learning how to astral travel. Um, I was involved in researching sacred geometries of the day and, of course, learning astrology. I was reading all the different styles of astrology that were available back then. I was also including the latest in astronomy the Mayan calendar, all these sorts of things, 12 chakras, and it was all new back in that era. You know, the first books were coming out, so I was sort of reading it all and consuming it all. And, uh, you know, I was doing the experiments that you would do when you were 
trying to do things like astral travel. I had the luxury. New Zealand's quite good. It, it, even back then, we had a, a good uh, social security sort of setup. So I was able to spend most of my day, day after day, year after year, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, doing what I wanted to do. And uh, a lot of that, especially back then, I was really, because I was younger, late 20s, I was really wanting to experience what they now call out-of-body or astral travel. So I put a lot of energy into that. And um, like people find when they are just actually doing the experiment, putting the time into it, you get results. So I got results. And part of that was connected to what I would basically now call a larger framework, a larger overview of what's going on, what's been going on in the past and what's going on in the present, what's coming in the future. So that was, that's summing up, you know, a Mm. few years of experience and experimentation and taking notes and so on and so on. And part of that led on to, well, the astrology that I was learning and reading and playing around with it at that time didn't seem to be accounting for some of the experiences and some of the even some of the information i was reading the ra material by the the law of one which was sort of broadening the the, the scope of theosophy and so i began to experiment with my understanding of sacred geometry this is specifically the golden ratio and all the geometries and, and so on that spring from that. So I was beginning to experiment with the, the geometries in relationship to a number of other things, including astrology. And I, it wasn't long, you know, by the end of that decade, by the end of the 1980s, I was drawing up charts, not from the regular perspective. Most astrology, if you look at it, whether that's Vedic astrology or even sidereal astrology or medical astrology, most astrology is drawn up as if you were looking out from the earth with a telescope and Mm. you look at where all the planets are and you then plot it on a piece of paper on a flat surface. Mm -hmm. Whereas, in fact, that's not really where the planets are, I know that's hard to, uh, to, to but I'll, I will explain it. So this is back there in the, in the mid to late 80s, a new, uh, what's now called an ephemeris, which is a, a way you plot where the planets are day mm. after day after day after day, which is what the astrologers use. So back in that era, the ephemerises, where you could plot planetary positions day after day in our solar system, you could plot them from the sun's point of view, as if you were teleported to Mm. the sun. Mm -hmm. And on a specific day, like today, you could look out and plot where all the planets are from the sun's point of view. Well, they're in different positions when you Mm. look from the sun's point of view than when you look from the Earth's point of view. And the sun is... In my view, even back then, I realized it was a heart. It was a, a mother. It was a, you know, a parent, if you like. The planets are like the children or chakras. The theosophists labeled them as chakras. So once I understood that 
the real positions of the planets from the heart, which is the same as my heart, it's a fractal. Mm. So drawing up a new astrology, mm. positioning the planets in their true positions was basically the starting point for me. I'll just give one example. In real time, just recently, a couple of months ago, astrologers correctly were saying there was a Jupiter-Neptune conjunction looking out from the Earth. True enough, they looked like they were at the same place. But if you were to ask those living on the moons of Jupiter or someone living on Neptune, if you were to ask them when those two planets were together, when they're conjunct, they would both agree that it's coming up in about two days. That is the real conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune. That's the only real conjunction. If you happen to be on Mars or Venus and you were looking out, you would see that Jupiter and Neptune were conjunct, not, not on the same day as when the Earth astrologers were saying, you know, they would have their own view, but depending on where their planet was positioned when they were looking out to see when those, you know, when Jupiter and Neptune were conjunct. But the only true conjunction from the perspective of Jupiter and Neptune, when they really get together, mm. is in about two days, three days. I think it's the fifth. So, so that changes everything. In my view, that changed everything. But I, this is old news for me. This was in the late 80s. So since then, <laughs> I've, been, I've been using the sun as a frame of reference. It's, it's called heliocentric astrology. It's not that uncommon these days. Right. That, that was the beginning point. And from there, I was able to leap and extend that to make it a, a galactic or a galactic center orientated astrology was the next step after that. Did you, during any of your like astral journeys, like in those moments, did you connect to that kind of energy and those frequencies? And then that allowed you to do it in, in you know, more like uh day to day time. Like, was there a point of like inspiration about where to go because you were tapping into those different kind of energetic ideas or thoughts or beings? Yes, and, and this can all be, um, I can provide evidence in this current time frame, but back in those days, it was more just the experience, but I've been able mm. to gather the evidence in physics and, and so on. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, rather than saying, well, I had this experience and that experience, there were a certain number of experiences over a few years, mm -hmm. which you know, nowadays you would call them interactions or downloads and, mm -hmm. and so on. But it was basically related to the center of the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds weird, but physics has this understanding via their experiments, repeatable experiments, that two locations can interact in real time no matter what the distance Oh, yeah. So I saw my that understanding, on your even in the late 80s, uh, that was, you know, sort of cutting edge back then. My understanding even back then was, well, if a higher dimensional or a more advanced, more coherent group of society, a galactic federation or, or, or whatever, if a more advanced society was, was, the, was out there somewhere, then 
long ago in their past, they would have had that understanding that two locations can interact in real time. We certainly have many examples of telepathy going back, Theosophies, Seth, you know, so many examples. So I understood that, well, there's no reason why, if this is correct, that I could not have a real-time interaction with the those that inhabit the galactic center. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the heart, the main heart in the galaxy. I know that's a, a big leap. There are actual astrophysicists that claim that they've got the evidence to show that at the center of the Milky Way galaxy, inside the diameter of the black hole that normal astronomers talk about, inside that is a plasma sun. Astrophysicist Paul LaViolette have what he claims to have the evidence that there is a, Rudolf Steiner agrees, that there is an actual sun, a plasma body, you know, perhaps uh, it's called Sagittarius A. So perhaps, you know, perhaps that Mm. itself is, you know, has its own uh, group, its own inhabitants. This is a working, you know, a working theme that's been going, that I've worked with for many decades. So that sort of advanced the astrology out beyond the perimeter of the mm. of our own solar system. So, and um, you know, sorry, been Graham. With that for a long time. Yeah. So I I want to actually um, get a little bit deeper into that in terms of. So from your perspective, you were, you were looking at astrology, you were having all of these experiences, traditional astrology, Vedic astrology, sidereal astro- astrology, and it was all coming from the earth. So, there, yeah. so to your perspective, that was almost, maybe not limited is the right word, but one way of viewing things. And so from there, you shifted to a heliocentric astrology, cool. and that was a new perspective and then you took it even one step further and went to a galactic center astrology. Absolutely correct. Got it. And so with, with each of those astrological like uh, orientations, what you're getting out of those readings are going to be related to your perspective, where, where the center of that astrology is. Um, do you mind just giving us a bit of a, a differentiation between those, like Earth-centric, heliocentric, and then galactic-centric, because I think that would be a really helpful like kind of framework for people. I'll give it a go. So oh. generally, astrology is called geocentric, you know, geo for Earth, Earth-centric. We can flip geo around, those three letters, to get the word ego. Not ego mm. in the negative ah, sense. I love that. Ego in the sense of Rudolf Steiner, in, in the Theosophists and Rudolf Steiner, and even in the ta- uh, the Kabbalah and the Tree of Life, the ego is what they mean when they call it, when they term the personality, mm. which is the three chakras at the three bottom chakras. It's our physical, our emotional, and our mental, mm-hmm. the 3D reality, basically. So, geoastrology is not only can you use it for the moon and the cycles growing plants and so on, like the, the Steiner and the moon cycles, you can, it's a useful astrology for the personality, the, those three dimensions. Mm-hmm. Right. When you get to helio, you've got the word like solar, S-O-L-A-R, where you've got S-O-U-L, 
solar. So we've jumped from we've jumped from a personality uh, astrology, and and with intuition you can get a little bit more out of it, and you have insights about the soul level and so on. But you jump straight to the heart, straight to the centre of our sun. In in Steiner's work and some of these earlier teachings, the sun was seen as a portal. Amateur astronomers claim that they have photographs of ships coming in and, you know, coming out of the sun, going into the sun. Mm. I've got visuals of how that works in the sacred geometry, how the sun is actually a portal. They call it the solar logos, the solar hierarchy, where those that are capable can actually inhabit the sun as a as a body, as a life, mm. as a living entity. The solar, we've got the earth ascended over group that live up in the Himalayas and so on. So you, there's the next level of that. So you, when you make the leap uh, into helioastrology, you've entered into your own personal soul level of, of things. You're, view, you're viewing what's going on at a soul level. That includes your, your living experiences or your, your gathered incarnations from not only on Earth. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's the that's the first step into into the solar level of astrology. In the initiations, I know this is old school now, and I don't use any of this in in my contemporary you know way of using astrology. But they, in the old days, you had the initiations, and and when you got to the what they called the fifth initiation, then you become a, a, a an aware solar being you you become part of that collective that are has has that level of awareness that level of of overview and you start then as a student and you you begin to develop that broader uh view into the galaxy Mm. and you 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 may you begin to make a conscious link they called it the central spiritual sun in the past in these books so you which is in its first instance the galactic center so you then you you, you know, you can tap into that. And as the physicists can provide evidence for, two locations can interact in real time over any distance. Right. A longitudinal wave is, is the physics name for it. A longitudinal. Do you have any background in, like, physics? Did well, you I've, study, like, I've, physics when you were young? Because, you know. Only... Well, back starting back in the eighties, I see my entry into physics came via Bucky Fuller, mm-hmm. Minister Fuller. So I was able to follow or build and make a lot of his geometries, and mm. and he linked it to physics. Yeah, and then uh, as the decades unfold, there were more physicists, Roger Penrose, and a right. few physicists, which were in those days beginning to see that the word fractal applies you know it's all scale inclusive all Mm. scale inclusive which also means all dimension inclusive so they begin Mm. to realize that the underpinning the underlying framework for fractals was based on the golden ratio what's called the golden spiral the golden ratio spiral so um this all led on and then in the in the 90s until eventually I was able to link in with the work of Dan Winter, who I consider to be the best physicist at the moment on the planet. And by combining what he was sharing 
based around the golden ratio and so on, then that provided a much better framework for what I was doing with the astrology, linking mm. it into the galactic framework. I remember the word golden ratio from physics, but that was many moons ago. Would you mind? It's it's something that like if you divide everything, it's one. It's always one number, right? Is that what the golden ratio is? It, there's a number of ways of framing it, okay. um, and it depends in a way what avenue a person finds most accessible to to sort of understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that, for example, if you the most common um, distance from the horizon up to where the rainbow is and that where the sun is positioned, that is a golden ratio itself. So you, you the, the sun, earth, and the rainbow are linked in this golden ratio geometry. Okay. Another example is, and this is a this is the work of Dan Winter again. You can get an app, you can buy an app, and you can attach it to your heart. And when you sit and meditate, as you're meditating, you can watch a graph on the screen on your on your phone. That as soon as you stop thinking and you're in tune, resonance with the oneness, as they say, then you watch in real time your heart release frequencies around your auric field, throughout your auric field in the pla- invisible plasma around you, the ether, based on these harmonics of the golden ratio. That uh-huh. itself so is creating cool. geometries. That's that's creating geometries in your auric field. You know, it, Not only is it frequencies, it's creating geometries, that's the somatics. That's like when you were talking about the alpha, beta, theta waves, exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah, those are based in golden ratios. That's okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so continuing on from, I mean, I, I loved how you were able to explain, you know, geo, ego, and then solar, solar. Um, so it was, I. it sounds like in the 90s when you started practicing galactic astrology, it, it sounds like. Probably the late 80s, yeah. Oh, late 80s, uh, okay. Oh, well, about 86, 87. It was about the same time as there was a book by uh, Jose Ajulis uh, who wrote The Mayan Factor. And he was talking about, you know, the, the Arcturians and and that there, were, there was coming a galactic era was on the way. And the books were talking about 12 chakras Instead of the normal seven, mm-hmm. the you know the elongated skull, and so on. So those chakras were also, well, those people that were writing those books, they were also uh, talking about well, if we awaken the extended chakras, then we're we're involved and in interacting within a galactic framework. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a number of images which kind of give visual. Uh, support what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we? You can share. That? Yeah. 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 So I'm just oh, going to yeah. let our listeners know. So right now, um, Graham actually has prepared a bunch of slides for us. So we highly encourage you to check out our YouTube channel and watch um, what's actually occurring. But for those who can't do that, uh, we'll try and explain it when when it's uh, appropriate. But. <laughs> Yes, Graham, please take it away. 
All right, I'll just uh, go through a few of these until you get sick of it or bored. Um, never, so this is a, never. <laughs> this is from the new scientists. This this is a f- image of the, what the latest view of the galaxy looks like from outside the galaxy. Mm. So there's the Milky Way center there. And I don't know whether you can see it, but I've put a, a, a sort of a pink pentagon there. Mm-hmm. And I've labelled some of these famous stars or constellations that, that people know. So I've got a little arrow there, our sun and our solar system's there. The Pleiades are just sort of tucked in there. Uh, this one, Orpheus, is it the famous 13th sign? That's sort of there. The gal- In between, you have to look through that constellation to see the galactic centre. So all these stars like Pleiades, Sirius, Arcturus, uh, Orion, they are all contained in this little area here of, of the galactic space. It's like a small neighborhood within the Milky Way galaxy. So all the information that we read about people channeling this and that and uh, so on and so on, it's basically all this bit here. Wow. Whereas we don't have channeling, we don't have people saying they are talking about coming from over here or around here or I've never thought about that. You're right. We only talk about these guys. Yeah. This is our local neighborhood, if you like (laughs) in the Milky way. So basically it's all, all based on that. The astrology that we're doing is how do we, here's our sun and planets here. How do we relate to the galactic center? Two locations interact in real time over any distance. So that's sort of like the framework of where I began. I, I understood this in the in the mid-80s that we were just a small sort of sector. And, you know, I guess I'll just mention this one here. This is, so here we're back to the flat surface of a an astrology chart, normal right. tropical astrology in this sense. And uh, it shows that the galactic center back here, here we are, galactic center. So the galactic center is here out through the last five degrees or so of what are called tropical Sagittarius. That's the direction towards the galactic center. So here we are, just to, just to show you, we have, the, we have the helio position of the planets here. I have dropped in the movie Stargate. Uh, portal there with its decagon one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten points. A decagon, a decagon is the only flat surface on an astrology chart or any flat surface. A decagon is the only polygon where the radius from the center out to the to one of the points there, that distance there is a golden ratio to its edge length. Oh. Each of the ten legs, it's the it's the step from going from a flat surface in a golden ratio, leap out away from that flat surface. Over here is a somatic image by Lynn Claire Dennis and her team. They're a group of physicists. She's had her own out-of-body experiences. And this group have been working away for decades as well. They show here in this somatic image, it's a, it's a short minute-long YouTube, shows that when we hook up this heart resonance, this um, contact to our heart, when our heart's beating and we watch the somatic image, it goes through a number of different 
geometries as it's as our hearts beating but mm. as our heart slows you know that moment when we stop thinking for a second or two our heart ugh, slows down well at that time the resonance on the somatic pattern is a decagon wow in here's a, a image of it it's a bit hard to see perhaps here this is a a, a side view of the dna helix mm. side on if we were to grab the helix and then look at it down in plan view, it's known, it's already been photographed, that is a decagon. So over here, I've overlaid the decagon here mm. onto the map, onto the chart, with the sun at the center, with one point of the decagon aiming out towards the galactic center here. Okay. I call it astrogenetics. When we go here, oh, this is just a, 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 just a fun view, Leave that one. Just <laughs> leave that one for now. We'll come back to these, I think. Um, just trying to find one here that's uh, should have been up the top. Ah, uh, mm, oh, okay. So th this is sort of a, a rough view of what a longitudinal wave looks like. And here's our Earth. And, and say, for example, here's another sun like Sirius or the galactic center. So information, think of telepathy or channeling. Uh, there's no, in my view, there's no reason to doubt that um, if humans already 3D scientists understand this, there's no reason to assume that a more advanced person or group aren't actually you know, making use of this understanding that two locations can interact in real time Telepathy and heart resonance is a golden ratio uh, phenomena. And a longitudinal wave, which is a helix, like a DNA helix, there's no reason to assume that, you know, this is what they're doing. This is how they're, they're doing, they're accomplishing their telepathy, their channeling, their travel through portals, et cetera, et cetera. Can I ask a question? Sure. Okay. So... Um, that's sort of that's sort of saying that no matter where you are, if you're on Earth, if you're on Sirius, if you're in the Palladian energies, because of that longitudinal wave, two particles can exist at the same time. We that's how the communication between these extraterrestrials or these different energies we can interact with it essentially. Exactly through this through this physics. Okay, the physics. Thanks. The physics pro provides a uh, demonstration of the principle. Right. And we can extend on the principle once we understand what the, what the word fractal really means. It, it means you'll find the same results at different scales, mm -hmm. basically. So mm -hmm. if we can see it at one scale operationally right. active and working, which the physicists have done, Constantine uh, Merrill, and Dan Winter, they've gathered support to show that the experimentation that they've done to, to try and plot an, an, an activity faster than the speed of light, where would you, what, what would you look for? Well, you would multiply the speed of light by the golden ratio. You'd multiply it by the golden ratio and you'd end up with a, a speed a certain speed faster than the golden ratio. So they looked at that specific speed. Mm -hmm. 
They looked at that speed. They did experiments, and sure enough, the phenomena that was the result of their experiments happened at that speed faster than the golden ratio. So that was like the first fractal step in a in a Jacob's ladder type. ladder of golden ratio frequencies that get faster and faster beyond the speed of light. It's not long, that then it almost becomes instantaneous. It's not mm. long after because it fractals both in speed or velocity and the time it takes to get to the next speed, well, that shortens by a golden ratio. So it's going faster, ding, 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 ding. And the speed it takes, the distance or time or whatever, <laughs> however you want to see that, that it's increasing at is also diminishing by a golden ratio. It's getting faster and faster and faster, exponential in that sense. Okay. Mm. Okay. Thank you. And here's, here's the evidence of the, the solar system as a golden ratio fractal portal through the sun. It's well known in, in a lot of posts we see on Facebook and that we, it is this image here and that mm. is that here's the the green line here that's the orbit of venus outside here on the white line that's the orbit of the earth well as the earth takes five years so there's a one two three four five mm-hmm. on a five-year period for the earth well the venus has gone around the sun eight times that's a golden ratio. That's called the Fibonacci series, which is a, ah. a slightly abbreviated uh, golden, golden ratio. And this is well known. This is, this is part of not only astronomy, but astrology, is that when the Earth goes around uh, five years, then Venus will have gone around eight times, mm-hmm. and it will plot at these points a pentagon, which is half of a decagon. Wow. And all these distances here, that distance to there, and that distance from there over to there, these distances, these lengths, if you've got your measuring tool out, they're golden ratio. So then along comes another researcher, John Harris, an astrophysicist, I guess, of some sort. He was able to show that here's our sun at the center here. He was able to show that from the sun, if we draw a line out here, straight out, and we start at the sun, we go out distances, we go out to, say, Venus, the radius from the sun to Venus, the radius from the sun to Earth, the radius from the sun to Mars, the radius from the sun to Jupiter, The radi- those radiuses from the sun outwards to the planets, the mean radius is golden ratio lengths. The speed of each planet in relationship to the other planets, and we've just given the example there of the Earth and Venus as being a golden ratio. Well, not only those two, but once again, John Harris was able to prove with evidence that the entire solar system, the speeds of each of the planets is related to the other planets in a golden ra- in golden ratio harmonics or frequencies. Mm-hmm. So space, the distance out from the sun to the planets, and time, the speeds of them, are both based on the same principle, the same template, golden ratio. That's Einstein's, in a way, that's Einstein's unified theory hmm. in that sense. So the entire solar system then is, think of the sun, sun moving along, you've got the planets spiring along, it's like a mm-hmm. helix, mm-hmm. 
that helix is based on the golden ratio. When we, when we take look and take the photographs looking down our own DNA helix, it's exactly the same. That's what fractal means. Mm-hmm. Right. And we'll see that at all scales, potentially. If we were to look and study close enough, we would find it. It has to be at all scales. That's the nature of the fractal. Mm. So there's evidence, therefore, that our solar system moving through space and time with the spiraling of the planets, that itself is a longitudinal wave. Hmm. That's what it is. It's a slower one. It's not fast, not moving faster than the speed of light, but it's a longitudinal wave. So our solar system moving through space or orbiting the galaxy as it does is a longitudinal wave, a fractal of the same longitudinal wave. You see when you look down the DNA helix, the same wave you would experience or see when you were looking at a person's heart resonance, if you're able to see that, that would be that same thing. And it'll go up and scale uh, beyond the galaxy. And I've been able to overlay golden ratio geometries on astronomers' photographs of larger scales than the, than the galaxy and find the same thing, exactly the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. And on, here we've just got the... This is the golden ratio spiral. So you could start at any one of the planets, say, and you could come down here and you get to the next uh, Jupiter, uh, here's Saturn in this sense, Jupiter here. So it's at, the, it's at the golden ratio distance to the next smaller decagon, then the spiral goes, and there's Mars, the spiral goes. You know, right, so this is the geometry, that golden ratio spiral. Dan Wins is excellent physics. The golden ratio spiral is the path or where, how you would surf into, through, into the next dimension or out of the solar system through the sun into the galaxy if you happen to be a, 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 a galactic federation or a galactic alliance group. Huh. So this, this all can be applied to astrology. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to apply the, here's another view of that. I wanted to apply the, the actual of physics which was also coming, you know, bit early '90s and so on. It was, it was drip feeding into the, into the collective consciousness. So I was gathering it all up at the time. And mm. here's just another view. This blue shape here is comes from. It's like a um, someone, a company, I guess, has designed a, a, a kind of a, a, a vortex tube here, where you put water and flow water. So I just put the the golden ratio there, that blue shape there, and here shows there's the diameter of the Earth's orbit, there's the diameter of Venus's orbit, there's the diameter of Mercury's orbit, all based on golden ratio. It's exactly the golden ratio of of these toroidal fields, one inside another, inside another, inside another, the Heart Math Institute toroidal field around the heart. So there's, you know, this is a, these are good images to show how one level of the fractal, in this sense, the solar system scale, is the same as our heart when we're feeling tuned in, when we're resonating with the oneness, when we're feeling unity. All those words, other ways of saying it in the modern physics frame, frame of reference is we're nesting in the spiral. We're nesting in the fractal. We're nested in there. We've joined, entered the oneness because we've nested in the spiral 
all advanced races have known this for a long, long time. So they're wow. all nesting in the spiral in the in the fractal as well. And we're just beginning to, you know, humanity's just beginning to to do the same. Hopefully, that's so, yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, um, I saw you. You're, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the the brainwave um, uh, slide that you have there, Graham, coming up. So maybe I'll I'll I'll, I'll interject there. Yeah, we <laughs> talked can, about it. Yeah, we actually keep... talked about that those brainwave frequencies on our last podcast. So, uh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we, we can go to that. Just one thing here. here here's yeah, a please. Tesla coil. Tesla coil. Um, but same thing, really. The best Tesla coil would be a golden ratio construct. So the solar system itself, the orbital uh, path of each of the planets creates its own Tesla coil, a huge one, a portal, mm. is it? And things there. Uh, so fine. Ah, here we are. Ah. So here's this one. So this is more factual science you could find on Wikipedia. So it's known that the circumference of the Earth is about 40,000 kilometers, the circumference. We have the Schumann resonance, which is a relationship from the Earth's circumference you know, out into the, the atmosphere, into the clouds. So it's based on the size of the Earth. The, the Schumann resonance is about 8 hertz. If we were to look Wikipedia or we get one of those uh, little websites where you can type in 8 hertz to see what the wavelength is of 8 hertz, sure enough, it's about 40,000 kilometers. That's the wavelength of 8 hertz. They had to know this to communicate with submarines back in, you know, back in the day. So if the wavelength of 8, of eight hertz is 40,000 kilometers, this is the electromagnetic wavelength. So there we are, we're sitting meditating and we go into the 8 hertz alpha brainwave state and we have a spontaneous remote viewing experience of somewhere else around the, the planet. Well, what's happened is when we're in 8 hertz, our auric field, our bubble, has enlarged to become a 40,000 circumference sphere around us. And we're in that 8 hertz brainwave state when we're remote viewing or remote experiencing somewhere else around the planet, then we're just shifted and our focal point of attention is moved to a different part of our auric bubble field. When, we're, when, they go, when we go into the theta brainwave state, which is four hertz, you know, there's a couple of hertz there, four hertz, then the wavelength of four hertz is 75,000 kilometers. So it's a sphere which has a circumference of 75,000 kilometers. So when we're in theta, which is when we're dreaming and when we're having those very, very lucid experiences, people go experience going on to spaceships or interact, interacting with ETs. Well, in this diagram here, we show that... <clears throat> A circumference of 75,000 uh, kilometers there, four hertz, you know, that's, that's, that's that far out from the, the Earth's surface, out in the atmosphere. In right. the past, that's what they called the astral planes, in the sense that we're out there in the theta brainwave state, 
cruising around our own auric field experience, which happens to be now much, much larger than the Earth, and people having experiences of going into spaceships or, you know, similar phenomena. So our brainwave states can be uh, plotted, mapped, and we can have sort of a better understanding of what's going on. And, of course, the the um, these different thresholds for these brainwave states, 5, 8, 13, they are part of the Fibonacci or part of the golden ratio uh, geometry or maths frequencies. Yeah, I mean, this, this, I remember seeing this diagram from your other um, podcast that we were both talking about earlier. And I mean, it was just like amazing because, like we were saying, Selena and I were talking about that and how, um, you know, you, you you can, um, there's so many examples. Like, I'm thinking, obviously, like Bashar, uh, you know, Daryl Enka talks about how, like, when, they actually measured his brain waves when he was channeling. And I think he was in theta, in a theta state, if not a delta state. And so, you know, the scientists are like, well, that's, that's crazy, you know, that he's like conscious and yet he's channeling at the same time. And this kind of gives you a scientific framework for that, where yeah. he's really resonating at a level where he can access what, you know, like you were saying, two points um, at the same, no matter what distance. Yeah, so he's able to just get further Bashar, out. Bashar out there in his, you know, triangular spaceship. Right. <laughs> and uh, Daryl's there uh, receiving some information. Yeah. 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 Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. I, I'm not sure whether you can see these here, these words, these phrases. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. So this is something which I thought, uh, and I've been using since the mid 1980s. This is this is my or two pages of my diary. I've got about a 700 page diary, and this is alphanumerics. A equals one, Z equals 26. Just simple letter to number correspondence. So beginning back in the 80s, there, as well as having the experiences and reading Bucky Fuller and astronomy and all these things, I was keeping a record of my experiences, but all the information I was learning and so on, based around these alphanumerics. So even in the early 80s, this is where A equals 1, Z equals 26. So here, this is 222. All these phrases here, uh-huh. this list here, mm-hmm. come to 222. The other one's a bit small to see. I, I Maybe I'll, I'll enlarge that. So it just so happened that 222, we have phrases like, uh, the Galactic Administration, Real Galactic Federation, Overseeing the Gala- Galaxy, Celestial Civil Service. Oh. Huh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. in Kabbalah, it's called Gematria. Um, it's, uh, exactly. Yeah, so, and Gematria basically means every letter has a numeric equivalent, and what you can do from that is create these other meanings. So, but, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, cross-referencing. And uh, so this was part of my um, ongoing experience was to keep track of some of these ideas that were coming uh, and putting it in this way. For example, uh, at the bottom of the list here, 222, Decagon Aligned Galactic Center, which is what I do. I align the the Decagon to the Galactic Center. That equals 222. Uh, So we have... uh, Integrative overview, uh, meetings of parliament. Uh, 
<laughs> the centre of the galaxy. <laughs> you know, so many interesting ideas from... These phrases just come from different schools of thought often, and I don't have a preference. I just work out the number and put them in the page and see what happens. <laughs> this one here, just quickly, it's it's so cool. Uh, so here's our... Here's another example here. A equals 1, to Z equals 26. This group, all equal 253. Here's our heliocentric astrology, our sun-centered astrology. It also happens to equal the same as, initiated in the solar core, starseed activation chamber, tuned to the galactic center, represent galactic council, awaken starseed wanderers, grounding cosmic energies, and so on and so on. So it, it, it's a, a story, in my own experience, it's been a, a, um, an experiential story, but it's also been uh, like a rational, I have these rational kind of ideas that somehow support it, which haven't really come from any one particular source. It's been a compilation from mm -hmm. others who have had their own you know, connections, their own experiences. So that's been cool in the sense that a lot of it has supported what we've en endeavoured to do to create this new astrology. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. I, uh, th this is just a, a collection of images that I've used elsewhere. Sometimes I, I cut some of them out and, and put others in. This is the famous uh, Sagittarius here. So we're you know, still close in in our neighbourhood of the Milky Way. But it just so happens the constellation or the stars that make up Sagittarius, there he is, he's about to release his arrow from his bow. And in astro general astrology, that arrow was aiming for the truth. Well, that arrow is almost directly pointed at the galactic center. So this, in the past, they had some understanding there. That right. This was, you know, this, this was where, you know, a worthy endeavor to take. Hmm. So a number of other images, just uh, say if you want to have a look at these, but probably that one's not too interesting. Ah, well, I've got lots of examples because I've had the, the luxury of time in a sense over the years. I've been able to look at famous people, even groups of people. And here's a perfect example here. If we put our decagon here on our chart, lined up to the galactic center, which is aiming out in this direction, we note groups of people often that work together, that change the collective timeline. In this case, we've got George, Paul, and John, and, and his son, born on the nodes of the same decagon, and that decagon's lined up to the galactic center. Can I ask? Galactic, the real <laughs> galactic just, federation. I'm just curious, Graham, where's Ringo? What happened? <laughs> he wasn't in that. He wasn't part of that um, that decagon. I don't know why, but Very he, he wasn't part of that decagon. Well, but the yeah, other three were. So here's a soul group incarnating, you know, with a with an intent in mind to to change the collective timeline with a few songs and you know and a few uh, tunes like that. So there's one example, and then I go on to grab all these theosophists. This is a group of theosophists. We've got Krishnamurti, we've got Rudolf Steiner, we've got Annie Besant, uh, Nicholas Roach, all famous theosophists there about a century ago. All of them born on the nodes of the same decagon, of the one decagon which is lined up to the galactic center. Huh. Alice Bailey, who spent 
three at least three decades writing down what you know, uh, uh, one of the trans Himalayan adepts was was talking to her. She wrote it down in the books, the, the Alice Bailey books. She was born and died lined up to the galactic centre. Wow. So there's heaps of examples. Here's another example. This one, there's a famous uh, star, it's a bit hard to see, in in Orion called Regal, R-I-G-E-L. This is the Mary Magdalene bloodline. The Thoth, the Enki, Enlil, Akhenaton, Moses, Merlin, this bloodline. So they come from Regal, one of the stars in Orion. So when I drew the Decagon, and I put one point of the Decagon, see if I can get this here. One point there, lined up to Regal, the star there, in Orion, I put a decagon starting there, then these famous people were born on different nodes of the same decagon linked to Regal. But there's a theme when we understand who these people are, we're going to to see a commonality between them. Three of them here are writing the Marvel comics. Mm. You know, comics. We've got uh, Mr. Spock here. We've got Sinead O'Connor, Yoko Ono. You know, people who are uh, Trinity out of the Matrix, Carrie and Moss. Oh. So they're showing that they have a astrogenetic connection with Regal. You know, they, they're, in my view, star seed or star family representatives from Regal. I've done thousands of charts now based on this new understanding, and it's so common that when people birth or when they're born, they leave themselves a clear message written in the stars which Mm. of the star family groups they're connected to because it's just a matter of finding which decagon angle their birth date is connected to which star. Mm. And it's just, it works 99% of the time as far as I can tell. So just to like reframe again, <clears throat> so what you're showing us, and for people who can't see the the um, slides right now, Graham has basically done a, a number of plots where you're seeing these natal charts, but again, they're being aligned according to the center with the sun. It's a he- so it's heliocentric, but it's being aligned with the galactic center uh, using the Decacon as like the framework. And correct coming from out of that. Not only are is it aligning obviously with the planets, but it's it's also aligning with. If you look further out, there's these star systems like Regal and um, you know Orion, where you're you're basically just taking a wider view and seeing how, how far out you can go, and you're seeing these kind of commonalities between people. Correct, correct. So I have interesting. A, like I have a friend and her her family, her her she herself and her. About six other members of her family, you know, her cousin, her grandmother. When I looked at all their birth dates, they're all on the same decagon points, the same nodes, but it's lined up to Sirius. I put the mm. decagon with one point lined up to Sirius. The whole family, or majority of the family, they're all part of the same soul group, mm. you know, and they're showing that they're linked to Sirius, which is, you know, basically 
where those, uh, you know, people like Rudolf Steiner and that, the theosophists claim that they themselves are representing the Syrian, you know, ETs. So they're, they're mm. part of that family group. So interesting. Uh, even here's Helena Belatsky, who introduced theosophy about 1885 or 88 or something. So here, here she is. Well, her birth date, 36 degrees away. So she's born on one node of the Decagon away from the arrow pointing out to Sirius. She wrote a famous book in, 19, in 1888 called uh, Isis Unveiled, which is all about Sirius in a way. And she had an asteroid in her chart. There's an asteroid called Isis. And in her chart, she had, it's a bit hard to see, but she had the asteroid Isis directly lined up to Sirius. So she's hmm. born on a node, a Decagon node linked to Sirius. She's representing the trans-Himalayan adepts who claim they're from Sirius. And she writes a book called Isis Unveiled, and she has an asteroid called Isis lined up to Sirius. It's all starting to right. you know, make sense. Mm. Oh, this is a great example. Good. Like I, I'm not in the US, and I don't really care about US politics. Although <laughs> I know who I'd vote for if I was there. But um, I did Elizabeth Warren's chart, and boy, did she have an amazing chart. She's not. She's not only born directly lined up to the galactic center. Oh. She has a number of major planets going around on these nodes of this decking on. She's just packed yeah, with these wow. planets, uh, including some of what they call the trans-Neptunian planetoids. There's been a, a bunch of them, at least 20 planets outside of Neptune, discovered in the last couple of decades. Neptune in astrology is our crown chakra. So these trans-Neptunians are beyond the crown chakra. They're the new mm. archetypes for the new reality. And she has a bunch of them all on these different nodes. So she's come in with, with a role. Think of uh, what I said about Alice Bailey, also born lined up to the galactic centre. So here we have another person who's perhaps in the future, you know, she'll make more and more of an impact. I'm ready. And, Elizabeth yeah. Warren, 2024, here we come. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. And I've, I've seen many famous people. Uh, the person I mentioned before, Dan Winter, he's also born on one of the Decagon nodes linked to the Galactic Centre. These people are coming in with uh, global changing information, I feel like. Celine? Huh? Did you have something? I, I have, but I'm going to ask it. I'm, I'm going to ask at the end when he's done. Okay. I did, I did have a... Well, I'm curious, uh, Graham, what else you've got for us? Uh... Well, I've got this one. It, it, I, it's impossible. I understand it's impossible to really grasp just sort of exactly what this is. But what I've done here is I've just taken the photographs from astronomy, whether that's an actual photograph or whether it's a you know like a a, um, a photograph of the infrared or, or gamma rays or sorry the um, ultra ultra rays. So I've just taken actual astronomy photographs and then i've found the center like the center of a cluster of galaxies and then the center of a mega cluster of clusters of galaxies so what i've done is i've found centers of larger cosmic scenarios and at that center i've positioned the center of the decagon 
And lo and behold, at each larger scale, from simple galaxy to cl small clusters to mega clusters to groups of clusters and, and so on, and using the decagon, positioning it at the center, sure enough, the, ad the growth of that environment, of that level, that um, size, that growth that is unfolding is mapped out by the golden ratio geometries. Huh. So the fractal at different scales there. And it just, you know, there's, there's a, a number of different scales that, that, I, can, that I can apply that to. Mm. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, it's cool to see it in the real world, which is, yeah. you know, you, you, we hear about negative ETs trying to do this and trying to accomplish that. Well, sure enough, they can do whatever they're doing, but they can't change these things that have been going on for billions of years, growing and developing and unfolding in a certain way. They just no way that that they can make any impact on that. It, the scale is just too large. So these are absolute, you know, uh, demonstrable, uh, demonstrating the principle of the fractal, the heart, looking at the yeah. heart and yeah. seeing how that heart is at all scales has its its expression from that heart is a golden ratio expression. Mm -hmm. So I had a question in terms of the um, going back to these groups of people um, coming from s specific kind of star systems. I think you you've identified a number of different major soul groups or like star groups. Do, would you happen to be able to talk a, a little bit about that? Uh, I have made an attempt to research some of the information based on theosophists, based on those that have also learnt from those earlier books on theosophy, mm -hmm. about which ET groups were instrumental in setting up different uh, areas of of our planet in the past. So who set up Lemuria? Who's, who was involved in that? What ET group? What ET group was involved in setting up Atlantis? What ET groups were setting up uh, Mesopotamia area? And those groups then in those locations, where they travelled around the planet, where they took their genetics, you know, their offspring, their genetic experiments and so on, where those genetics went to, you know, those in Lemuria, when Lemuria sunk, where did, they, where did those ET groups and their hybrids end up? Same with Atlantis. Where did they end up? Same with Mesopotamia. I was able to plot those, follow those through, mm. and then I can f see in the astrology charts, as soon as I, more or less, as soon as a person tells me, well, they, they, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, they all come from uh, Hawaii, perhaps, or something like that, Instantly, you know, that's revealing of their ET genetics right there. Hmm. Because I, think of it this way. Daryl is channeling Bashar because he himself is part of Bashar's genetics. He's part of the, he's embedded in Bashar's fractal DNA. Right. That's the only reason he's channeling Bashar and not some other character, you know, <laughs> some other ET person. So, you know, the genetics is, is, is part of the longitudinal wave, you know, we already know that the mother of the mother of the mother, and it's all embedded in the egg, 
another golden ratio, you know, the fetus, a golden ratio uh, shape there. So it's, it, it's become clear over these years that if a person's a Scandinavian born person with their genetics going all the way back, then well, they've come from Atlantis and the Pleiadians and the older barians, uh, some Hyadians, they're the ones that set up Atlantis, according to these researchers, theosophy and post-theosophical researchers in, the, in those fields. And it, to add to that, there's asteroids. There's, astro- there's 25,000 asteroids or so. There's an asteroid called Atlantis. There's an asteroid called Hyperborea, which is where the Atlanteans went up to the Arctic. So we, when I put asteroids in the charts, mm. sure enough, nearly every time, those that are born, say, in Scandinavian countries, they'll have asteroids on their Decagon nodes, which are called Atlantis, and in Poseidon, the capital of Atlantis, and Hyperborea, and some of these other asteroids that are connected to Western, Northern and Western Europe there. Okay. You know, and others born, say, in Hawaii, well, they'll, they'll have asteroids uh, named after that part of the world. It's showing where they've been in past lives. You know, yeah. Their- so do you do you find that a lot of this is really helpful for understanding where you're coming from and also how to transition more into like a fourth density, a fifth density, like a new new age for the earth and humanity? Like, you know, like, because all of this is happened maybe and now we're here transitioning into a new energetic space so is that part of like why this information would be relevant for us moving forward absolutely i feel this is a an astrology for the current and near future era it's an updating of what's been in the past which has been relevant for the past now we need something a little bit broader mm-hmm. and this is a you know a great step for that and um yeah yeah, I've done, as I say, many thousand charts, and the feedback is um, that I get is that sure the the chart is useful. That it pinpoints and supports their their intuition of what star family they're connected to. It even uh, supports where they feel like they've been on past lives on the Earth. You know what part of the planet they've been on, and the be- the real beauty of it is is that it defines what is in the Akashic records. Mm. Which is, you know, embedded in the in the DNA at the energetic level, the plasma level of the DNA, and the DNA is is based on the golden ratio, the decagon, and so on. So it pinpoints. Yeah. Uh, there's as- I, I should say there's asteroids like uh, um, Carl Jung, you know, has an asteroid named after him. Paul McCartney has an asteroid. So those asteroids, if they're on the nodes of the Decagon in a person's chart, well, it's showing exactly what skills they have embedded already in their Akashic records, and they're here to unpack that and express oh. that sort of quality or those, yeah. you know, those na- that nature, their qual- the, that character, as yeah. part of their contribution in this. And that in, that in itself is what Bashar means when he says, follow your bliss, so you become a creative um, person, more, you know, it can hopefully advance your 
potential to be more creative, which is fulfilling your own mission. You, you become part of the bliss. You've jumped into the fractal. You're embedded in the fourth density. And your consciousness is expanding into the galaxy, you know, all in, all in one thing, through one medium. Yes. Yes, please. I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, going back... I'm sorry, Graham, continue. Uh, well, again, the feedback I, I, I seem to get is that once a person has their chart and they, they go through it, and I, I share through the audio what's going on and, and so on, It for many people it takes time to sit with. So they sit with it for a couple of years and it unpacks itself as time goes on. They get more and more out of it as time goes on because it's their intuition and so on. It starts to seep into their life more and more so, if they haven't already. Many people are already doing what they're you know, they, they get back to me and they say, well, I'm, yeah, I'm doing that and that and that and that and that and that. And, you know, it supports right. uh, what they're already doing so that, you know, that happens too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Chair, what were you going to ask? That's wonderful. No, I was just going to say, um, going back to, you know, following your bliss and all of that kind of stuff, relating it back to the, the brainwave thing again and, and our conversation last time with meditation and how, you know, by doing like a practice like meditation allows you to kind of get your brain waves and get your heart beating to a place where you are more aligned. So you're not kind of, you know, uh, getting like blocked by, you know, whatever kind of beta waves are happening. Um, and you're slowing yourself down and bringing yourself into alignment with the greater sense of the universe. So uh, if you ever need an excuse to meditate, that's a good one. <laughs> and, um, Graham, can I ask you, I mean, you've probably done your galactic birth chart, right? I have, I have, yes. Where are you from? Where's your Where's your star seed? Or is it, you don't have to say if you don't want to, but I kind of want to know. <laughs> I don't mind. Um, well, I'll just go back here again. So here's this uh, group from... Regal here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Regal in astrology or in astronomy in the tropical zodiac is at about 16 to 17 degrees of Gemini. That's You'd have to leave and head out in that direction to get bump into the star there. Well, I'm born on, on the Decagon node there. Two de- I'm de- born 72 days or 72 degrees away from the star, uh, from that alignment to Regal there. So well, that's showing me that that, uh, that is my astrogenetic uh, connections. Right. You know, when I started in the early 80s, the first place that I astral traveled to without any of this understanding or frame of reference was to Orion. I didn't know why, but that's where it went. And I made a, a, a you know, a, a few months long project most days of doing that and Wow. That's before I even sort of got together with the decagons and all these sorts of things. Um, but it, it goes further. Not that I have done this regularly for other people because it takes a lot more time, but from Regal, I can go back further and, and identify where else I've been hmm. as well. So, you know, it's a little bit of a deeper story. But uh, And that would be the same for other people. It would just require more. Uh, I'd have to, you know, to put more focus and in, in research into it. But I've been able to plot a, a, a path of other 
experiences in other locations. Well, not so much the experiences specifically, but other locations where I've been before mm. uh, 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 getting to Regal there. Do so you, that's possible as well. well. Do you find that, like, there's a majority of humans that have that are coming from the majority of one star system here, or it's, is it? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. I would say that uh, 20% of the charts I do would be connected to Regal and Orion mm. in a general kind of way. Another mm. 20% are connected to the Pleiades. Another 20% are Sirius. Another 20% are Arcturus. So that makes up about 80%. Wow. Then I have maybe 10% would be connected to Aldebaran, which is very close to the Pleiades and one of the main groups that inhabited Atlantis. So now we're down to just like 5% left and the majority of those Andromeda, ah. a few a few others from a few more sort of less known star systems. And these are, you know, that's exactly where, these, where people are born on the Decagon nodes linked to those star systems there hmm. and those are the main et groups that are mentioned in history on our planet they are the main hmm. players basically and sure enough almost without fail uh each person that asks me is born connected to one of these specific groups that i've mentioned that's so it's like wild but it makes sense <laughs> it just makes perfect sense i think it makes sense <laughs> And I, I, what else is all so, this stuff doing out, out there? <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's there's great support from people like uh, Daryl and Bashar. <gasps> where, Bashar claim, where Bashar claims that Daryl is his own past, you know, his own yeah. genetic past. So here we have a, a, a Daryl from a certain, uh, sorry, Bashar from a certain ET group talking to his own bloodline, his own genetics, you know, mm. it's and, and in the Ra material, the law of one, they say there as well that a person who's channeling or downloading from a certain ET group, whether that's Syrians or Pleiadians, they're doing that because they're part of that genetic family. They're part mm. of that ET group. Oh. They're not channeling some other ET group. They're channeling their own that's interesting. Uh, family. And it makes sense. It's all that embedded. They're all embedded in the spiral and the fractal there with that group. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I, wow. I have to I have to get my chart done. I'm gonna email you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Is there any is there anything else that you want to share on your with the PDFs or anything or I think I'm pretty much through. I've You're got good? a okay. bunch of other ones, uh, but I think um they were the main ones. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, I, I, I go deeper into it and show how all the geometric side of it in more depth. Uh, I've got that on my website and other PDFs I've done uh, go into that more deeply, but I just wanted to stick to the to the astrology on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've it been through most of that. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say how the Stargate movie, that was Decagon. So you you um, you go to, you know, you they have to type in Whoa. the key you know, to trigger the, the, the portal. You know, in the Stargate movie, you have to know what sort of to type in to get one of each of these sort of keys up and running. Mm. So it's the same thing with the charts. And when we do the charts, uh, it's a, it's a, 
what people do when they <laughs> this is uh Bashar following your bliss sort of thing. So when you you look at a chart and you you trigger the points of the decagon by mm. you know by actualizing your skill set in your Akashic records, and that is opening the portal through the sun for each of us to become a galactic fourth density person is by activating the portal there, which is another way of saying follow the bliss or another way of saying actualizing what's on the nodes of the decagon, our, our Akashic records, our Akashic skills. Even the word amente, which is the Egyptian word for the Akashic records, the hall of records, amente, you can flip the letters around and you change those and you can get I am 10, a decagon, oh. the Akashic records huh. in Egypt. And the hall, the halls of amente, that hall, in my view, is the DNA helix. Hmm. The hall of Amente, a cross section of the DNA helix is the decagon, the Amente, so that it's even there describing in its own way, you know, this very sort of geometry in this way we're working here. Wow. I mean, mind blown. <laughs> well, it's been a, what, a nearly a 40 long, 40 year long journey or experiment. I mean, it's uh, fascinating. And I, you know, I think it's really, you know, it's not weird, you know, it like makes sense, all of it. It makes uh, sense, I think. That was, that has always been my goal, you know, from the mid 80s. I was born left handed. So it was, wasn't that difficult to have experiences, psychic sort of experiences and so on. My understanding via theosophy was that. The, the new reality has to be a blend of an integration of scientific evidence and spiritual experience. And you bring, mm. unifies those two together and then you have, you know, you have something of value. So I really always wanted to bring the evidence in here and, and, and merge it with what I was, was doing. And, and by the research of other, you know, creative people, I've been able to bring their evidence in, in in here to support what I'm doing. So it's not all my evidence, but it's been able to, um, you know, to compile evidence by others who are tuned in and, and doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, how, and if people want to get readings with you and schedule sessions, how, how do they, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I have a website, and okay. it's called Galactic Astrology Academy. Amazing. There's a number of interviews there. There's, I've met, tried to describe in detail how the astrology works. Someone can use that and draw up their own charts if, you know, if they're really into it and capable. And then there's a link page which they can get in touch with me. Okay. And there's a number of different chart op options. Cool. Well, Graham, this was fantastic and really helpful. I think you filled in, at least for me, a lot of gaps. Um, and just it was a real pleasure getting to learn more about your unbelievable journey. I mean, thank you for all the work you've been doing these last 40 years. You've really been <laughs> so focused and you know, seem to have blessed a lot of people with your, your astrology and your readings. So yeah. um, thank you. Thank you for sharing all this information with us. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm always willing to uh, share this. I wanted to get out there as much as possible. 
Me too. Thank you so much for coming on. This was, you know, I love, I love all of this kind of, all these ideas, all these things. And I think what's really fascinating about what you've done is you've made science and math and combined it with esoteric and being in a really beautiful way that feels so integrated and, and under and easy to understand. Um, so I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. So thank Thank you. Thanks so much. I have (laughs) Jupiter on one of my nodes linked to the galactic center. You know, and Jupiter's oh. about being able to descri- describe your inspirations in very mm. clear ideas and concepts. So, hopefully, uh, I'm an example of the Jupiter. I think so. <laughs> You're tapping that decagon. You got to go. Tapping all the sides. <laughs> Basically, I'm a musician who just happens to be an astrologer at the same time. I'm more of a musician than anything. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Well, okay. Um, well, thank you so much. And I'm going to be in touch with you to get my chart done. So be on the lookout. Well. Yes, thank be. you, Graham. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And um, we will see you on the next pod. So take Thanks care, for everyone. Thank you so much, Graham. Thank you. Very All welcome. Stay warm in New Zealand out Stay there. Stay warm, yeah. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye.